Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We've got Peter Gammons, Brett Phillips, outfielder from the Rays, and Dan Schulman, play-by-play voice for ESPN and the Toronto Blue Jays. But you got to start with the Hall of Famer. One of the greats, Peter Gammons, was with us on A's Cast Live. Well, it's always great to have the Hall of Famer on once again. Peter, it's great to hear your voice. How was life treating you? It's treating me very well. I mean, it's baseball season. It's beautiful weather. We're getting closer to a, a normal life at the, excuse me, as a ballpark. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just so much better than, you know, being sort of sheltered and locked up in a press box. And uh, it's nece- I know all that, <laughs> excuse me, yeah, was necessary, but it's just great to get back to some normalcy. I still love going to, to what, different games on every level. I mean, so it happens that this is probably the best year in the history of baseball for prospects in the East Coast. So I'm, I get to see a lot of them and, and, uh, um, as well as you know, big league games. It's it's a it's a good and it's a really interesting season. I mean, we have a lot of great storylines. <clears throat> Obviously, with you know, I mean, uh, Otani is a great storyline, and there there are many others. But I think the biggest thing is most every division has something that fascinates me. I want to I, I, I want to see it each night. I want to read about it more every morning. I think that's what that really does make this game so much fun. And I mean, your two Bay Area teams, um, to me, they're fascinating. I mean, the, the A's are, they're really good. They're very tough. You know, I know that we'll see how the bullpen holds up as we, as we go along over the season. But, um, you know, first of all, Bob Melvin does an unbelievable job. But, you know, I mean, once you have Chapman and, and everybody hitting. I mean, I, I just think it's uh, the the mission with Houston, the A's. Uh, I think it's going to be really, really good. You know, a lot of people always overlook <clears throat> the A's, and I think there was a lot of people going into this season 
who overlooked the A's once again, which it's hard to believe. But I know how well connected you are to the A's, as it wasn't that long ago where Bob Melvin, we do the Bob Melvin show. He's like, I'm on the phone with Peter Gammons. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be a little late. And then I know how well you know Billy Bean, David Forrest. You've always been well connected with our organization. For one thing, it's the most imaginative organization. They're really good at finding players who can fill roles and they understand roles. They, I think what's so good about David and Billy and, and, uh, 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 and BMO is tremendous at it, but they concentrate on what players can do, not what they can't do. And they end up putting things together in a really interesting way because of that. And it's, I mean, I happen to be a huge Jed Lowry fan, uh, professionally and personally, but I mean, they understand. I mean, Jed's a switch hitter. He's, he's, he's very bright. He understands a lot of things about the game. And so he's had, he's had physical problems. If he can't play, the A's are, oh, he's not in the lineup. They appreciate what he is. And uh, it's his record here at Oakland is unbelievable. I mean, I mean to, to think that we're here uh, in the middle of May and, and – Chapman's hitting 217. That's that's not going to last. I mean, he, that's going to go way up. Loriano's going to go up. Olsen's going to go up. I thought they made a a great, very underrated uh, signing in Mitch Moreland. I mean, the, the ovations he's been getting in Boston have been incredible. But that's, I mean, wherever he goes, I live in a town born in Massachusetts on the Cape. He played for the Bourne Braves, and to this day. Over the last 20 years, he's still the most popular player who ever played there just because he treated people so well. And I know in the Red Sox, he was absolutely Mr. Teammate. And that kind of guy, plus he could still hit. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you saw it on TV, but I thought the, the embrace between Moreland and Alex Cora was tremendous. I mean, you know, I mean, Alex, obviously they won a World Series. Never forget the home run he hit against the Dodgers, which was absolutely huge and those guys are professionals uh, the right people and i i just think it really fits together I'm, the a's have done a great job with the pitching it's just a matter of you know are they going to have enough depth as the season goes along because i think one of the biggest issues of this season is last year i mean nobody was through more than what 75 innings how far everyone can go i mean i I still believe you're going to probably need eight or nine starters before the year's over. But, I mean, getting Bassett back, he was tremendous the other night. I mean, I, uh, I love Cole Irvin. I, it's, just, it's, a, it's a really interesting team. And um, I think Houston, the first six guys in that order, the best, that's the best in baseball. But, I mean, they've had some injuries on their pitching staff, and they've, they've got – a real lack of depth in the bullpen. So it's going to be interesting to see how Dusty can put it together. That has a chance to be a great race as, as the year goes along. Plus the color of having the angels having two great players. It was a great stat. Somebody went, went and looked at Billy Hamilton running around and getting a triple last night and the, the speed that he was at and looked it up, compared it, it's just a Billy Hamilton was just a little bit slower than Otani's speed on triples. It's, it's I don't know. It's, it, 
It makes it every day. You just go, wow, there's something here. I mean, Garrett Cole, 56 strikeouts and no walks. Uh, well, he just started today for Milwaukee, who right now has got 49 strikeouts and no walks. I mean, this is a great – I think it might be the best pitching, I would say since 68, but I'm not sure there's ever been pitching quite like what it is right now, especially with guys like Cole and, and, and the Brewer group. Yeah, how, how do you feel about some of the people who go, well, it, it, it's kind of like almost a steroid era with all the substances that the pitchers are using – I don't have a problem with it because as long as you're going to have hitters that they get to use everything for their bat, they got they they have arm guards, they have guards for their legs. Um, the, the fact that pitchers are using things now, I mean, where do you weigh in on that? Well, I, I I think it can be limited, and I think that they will be able to do it. But um, the way baseball is being trained today um, with these absurd showcases and these awful places where, well, you judge pitchers by how hard they throw. Of course, they get into professional baseball. They can't throw strikes, so they only pitch one inning at a time. They get to the major league. We're going to have two or three players maimed, really badly injured this year. If if this whole, I mean, these, I know these showcase people make a lot of money, but um, they've really hurt the game. They're also kids throwing 100 miles an hour at 20 years old. Uh, it's really good for the orthopedic surgeons, but nobody else. There are some really great pitchers. Cole last night was was so good, and there are others that are very different. I mean, watching Ryu with Toronto, who, who because of his body, people don't realize the guy's a great athlete. His ability to repeat his delivery, field his position, do all that—that was art to watch too. I mean, and Max Fried, who could have been the number one pick as a center fielder coming out of high school. I mean, watch those two guys, Ryu and, and Freed. It's just, it's a lot of fun. Just, I just say, enjoy the pitching. It's like, you know, Warren Zevon, enjoy every sandwich and then uh, um, move on. And there's so many, there's some fascinating players uh, to, to see I mean, it, it, around in the sport. And um, so I'm so happy just to have it back. It's, uh, it's really great. And I just, you know, I wish I wish we had a new ballpark in Oakland. We could stay there, but that's not my decision. I don't have the money to bail them out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we we would love if you you'd be a part of that. I mean, uh, bring all that old Boston Globe money here to the Bay Area and help us out. <laughs> well, actually, some of the uh, the people who started the Globe and um, that, that built the Globe, um, one of the members of the family. Um, was out and uh, was out in California, and went to Stanford and uh, got Harry Hooper and about three or four other guys for the West Coast and won like three World Series. So there is a little bit of a, a there's a little bit of a relationship there. You know what I miss, and I remember when we first you know actually had the internet. I mean, dating all of us here, but I your Sunday column with all the notes was what well, was such a must read. And I remember the last time uh, we had you on was uh, I, I, I was doing the Giants and Barry Bonds was going for the home run race. And it was the day that he hit his 73rd home run and you were at Pac Bell Park. But I just remember how much fun it was and looking forward to your Sunday notes. I mean, when you look back at that, I'm sure a lot of people ask you about that. But when you look back at that, how great was that for you in your career to put that out and knowing that everybody in baseball 
couldn't wait to read those on Sunday morning. Well, I, I'm, uh, it's a great compliment, but I, I started it because <clears throat> that's what I always wanted to read as a kid. Dick Young would have notes, dots and dashes in the New York Daily News back in the um, 60s and, and early 70s. But it wasn't just exclusively baseball. I always thought that you should have a sports-specific Sunday column. And I was a young writer. It was, uh, um, I was actually did it in 1971. Well, I wasn't covering the Red Sox regularly. I did sidebar. I did some, but um, I started on minor leaguers, and people liked it because this is a you know I, I I was lucky enough to live in a baseball mad area, and then in 1972, which was my first full year covering baseball on the major league level, um, I they said go ahead try it see what happens and it took off and uh, um, I just there, there's it's very different today because information is available everywhere. It wasn't then. I mean, I can remember when I lived back in in Brookline, Massachusetts, uh, on Sundays, I used to, when I go on my run, I would run to Harvard Square and go to the out-of-town newsstand and get like 10 or 12 newspapers. And I'd go have coffee and read them, fold them up, just keep the sports sections, roll them up under my arm and run the four and a half miles uh, back to my house. And I think that's, there, there were millions of us who really felt the same way. I mean, we just we love the information. We like the, we like to know what's going on with things, rumors, all the rest. So, I mean, I was just really fortunate to, uh, uh, work for a newspaper that, um, just said, we love sports. Um, go ahead and try it. There's no harm. If you fail, you fail. And that's, that's that's the opportunity all of us want. You know, I've actually been in Billy Bean's office when you've been on the phone with him before. Um, I know what a great relationship you have with him. Just talk about his career, your career, and what your guys' relationship has been like over the years. Well, um, I met Billy when he was still playing. I mean, it was, uh, I believe, 1989. Um and uh, I'm just, you know, he's always been so enthusiastic. He's really smart and really fun. I mean, he loved the scouting. He loved so many levels. I remember, you know, when there were times when the A's didn't have money and he used to get excited when the minor league free agents were announced because he'd line up and go, go after toy. I love that. I mean, that enthusiasm and his creativity was, to me, was always uh, terrific. I, I thought the combination, I mean, I, it fascinated me. I obviously covered games in the Coliseum in the 70s when there would be like 3,000 people there called. They closed most of the concession stands. And then the ownership changed, and it was uh, – I really believe that the Haas family, Roy Eisenhart and then Sandy, have never gotten enough credit in, in baseball history for the rejuvenation of a franchise. I mean – I know that, you know, demographics changed, economics changed, but what they did to revive that franchise, it was so much fun going to games with Billy Martin when he had all those starting pitchers. And, and then, uh, and then of course the great teams in, in the late eighties and early nineties, um, 
because that franchise was really dead in like 1978, 79. Um, and yet, I remember very well at a game, I think it had like 2,000 people in the ballpark. And the Red Sox were playing the A's, and Steve Renko had a no-hitter you know, going into the ninth inning. And the, the young guy, about two weeks into the big leagues, Ricky Henderson broke it up, immediately ended up scoring, a, you know, created a run. And I'm just thinking, is this is it possible? I mean, is this guy as good? And, he, of course, he's kind of flashy, so the, the more traditional Red Sox players didn't like him at all. But I thought it was just so cool. He was bringing something into the game that we didn't have. Little did I know that he would be one of the greatest players who ever played. And I, I thoroughly believe that's true. But um, you, you remember that stuff. I mean, it's part of – that's why I hate to, to see, you know, the, the A's having the problems of being able to stay in Oakland and the Coliseum falling apart. I understand. I'm glad I'm not using the clubhouses and so forth. But – It was just so. It's been so much fun, and and uh, uh, the Bay Area is such a great baseball area that that uh, um, you know I've I've almost given up wanting to read about can the A's make it? Can they get a ballpark? Can they just tell me yes or tell me no? Yeah, we're kind of we're kind of all in that boat because we've been de we've been dealing with this for a long time. Uh, let Let's end on this because we know how big you are in music. What are you into right now? If you could tell our listeners what, what, what they could uh, be, be looking forward to Peter Gammons right now. What are you big into right now? When you look at a certain band or certain music? Well, I'll tell you right now I'm focused on, we have a, uh, we have a, a fundraising concert and virtual, virtual concert uh, online. You can go to uh Uh, hostelcoolmusic.com and I do believe this is the first time in history we have a bill with Eddie Vedder and Yo-Yo Ma. Wow. They're both playing in this concert. That's, I think, well, that kind of sums up some of our person, Theo Epstein's personality, my personality, Bernie Williams, um, all the people who play with us. So uh, that, that's, once I get by Tuesday night, we get by that fundraiser and we raise money for nonprofits in uh, in Boston and Chicago. Uh, I'll move back on to a, a couple of other bands. <laughs> hey, it is always an honor to have you on the program. Thank you so much. Be well, be safe, and let's talk later on during the season. Please, definitely. If you, there'll be a great pennant race in Oakland, so uh, I'm happy to be on. I'd love it. Always an honor to have Peter on. Brett Phillips is a lot of fun. He's a Tampa kid playing for the Tampa Bay Rays. Had the huge hit in the World Series last year for the Rays. And he was Randy Macho Man Savage neighbor. Oh, this is great. Here's Brett Phillips. Hey, it's great to have you on the program again. How have you been doing in 2021? Hey, it's great to be on the program with you. And I uh, appreciate it always. I'm, I'm doing well over here in uh Tampa Bay, my, my home city here in uh, St. Pete. And, uh, man, life couldn't be any better for me. And I got to tell you, it's been an interesting watching you guys from afar defend your championship. And, I mean, who would have thought the Boston Red Sox would have got out to such a hot start? What's it like been in the East? Yeah, you know, you see what Boston's doing. They're playing good baseball. Uh, over here on it, our end, we're, we've got some new faces. We've been battling some injuries 
um, all across the board, but, you know, we've got young guys coming up and stepping up and playing their part. And, you know, we're, we're, we're battling each and every night. You, you, like you said, you, you've looked uh, over here and how things have been going kind of, uh, we're keeping an even keel right now, trying to catch somewhat of a hot streak. But uh, like I said, just just battling some injuries and, and grinding through right now early in the season. You know, obviously we haven't been able to be around you guys. And one of the last managers we spoke with face to face was at the winter meetings in San Diego was Kevin Cash. And, you know, I, I, we talked to Kevin about how the A's and the Rays are just so similar, the way they're built. Their issues that they deal with on the field, the issues of trying to get a new ballpark. So I, I've asked Kevin this, and I'll ask you: Do you, whenever you play the Rays, do you feel like it's a, a mirror image of, of you guys? Uh, you know what? I I will say something about uh, you know the the Rays fan base and and being from here. You know, we were an expansion team in '98, and so we we got a late start on our fan base. You know, I was four years old when the Rays became a team. So what I like to tell people is like, we're one generation away from having, you know, diehard fan base, like the rest of the league. Um, you know, when, when I, when people my age start having kids, you know, that, that is when, you know, that fan base starts to grow because all of our uh, parents were, were fans from, you know, whether like my family's from Illinois, so they were Chicago fans, but you know, Tampa Bay being an expansion team, my age group are the is the group that you know we rooted for the Rays growing up, and when we start having kids, they'll be Rays fans as well. So you know we're we're just a little behind being an expansion team. I like to tell people we're one generation away from having this place packed out. But when we're playing, uh, you know, a team like the A's, very similar when it comes to payroll. You know, having young guys, guys from the minor leagues, you know, homegrown players having to step up and, and make a name for their themselves at the big league level you know, that's, that's just how we go about our business. And honestly, I, I, I like it. I, I love being a part of this organization. I think we're, they're doing a heck of a job from, from top to bottom. You know, you make a fascinating point and I've never even thought about that. It's like, yeah, a, as an expansion team, I think you have to say, you know, kind of similar to, you know, like the Marlins or, or the Rockies or, you know, these teams that, you know, now you're going to have generations of kids who all they know are the Rays. They don't know, exactly. you know, they, they didn't grow up Yankee fans or they, that's fascinating. Yeah. You have to understand that all these other teams have been around for, you know, a hundred years. They have their generation of generation yeah. of fan base. I was four years old when the Rays became a team and I've been a fan of them since growing up. So now when the, my generation starts having kids, we can, you know, start to develop that generational fan base. But everyone wants to hate on the, on on the Rays fan base. But it's like, hey, we were late to the game, guys. Like you, this this is a process. We're only twenty five years old, you 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 know. So it's 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 it takes some patience. All these other teams, they've been around for hundreds of years. So you know what I mean. Well, I got to tell you, we've been defending you guys here on A's Cast Live, uh, you know, because you you get you get the national northeast media who, you know, they're all in love with the Yankees, and they say that the Rays are the little brother of the Yankees. It's like, no, they're not. They've been hammering you. You've won like seven <laughs> series against them, including postseason. So it's like they need to get off that narrative. You guys are too good. They need to start showing you a lot more respect because, I mean, if, if you want to call this a rivalry, it's been one-sided lately. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you know that the players over there, they, they respect us. 
they know that the Rays, when, when they play us, they got to bring their best baseball. We know when we play the Yankees, we got to bring our best baseball. But we take a lot of pride when, the, when, when those guys come into town or we go into Yankee Stadium to, to play our hearts out, to, to play our best. And, you know, the, the, the comments from their fan base about us being little brothers or whatever they want to say about us, like you said, you know, we, 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 take, we take pride in that and, and we want to win each and every, every day. But uh, that, that expands through across the league, not just the Yankees. You know, I, I, I've wanted to ask you this about the World Series. So all of us in the playoffs are in a bubble, right? Especially out here out west. And you guys are at Petco Park. You win the American League. And then you go to Texas and for the first time all year, now you see fans. The Dodgers have been there for now weeks in the same hotel, same clubhouse. They're used to playing with fans. What kind of advantage do you think that was for L.A. versus you guys just showing up and now all of a sudden there's fans for the first time all year? Yeah, you know, first off, you, you got to give credit where credit's due, Chris. And, you know, they played a better series than us. And, and quite frankly, they were, they were the better team that series. And, and I, you know, hats off to them they took advantage in, in situations with runners on base and, you know, they, they put things together as for the advantage of the fans, you know, 98% of that stadium was Dodger fans every single game, but you got to take that out of it. When it, when it comes to the world series, the energy's there, regardless if you're getting booed or whatnot from the other team, you're, you're, you're at peak performance, you're at peak focus. It's the world series. So, you know, you can't you can't sit here and say uh, they had you know an advantage or any excuses like that. They played better baseball, and that's what it came down to. And you know that and that and that's that's the end of it. You know, when when you do really special things, especially for your hometown team, people never forget. You're the first guy since Kurt Gibson in 1988 to have that walk off hit, two outs, team trailing. Just take us through what that experience was as a professional. Oh, man, it was uh, something special. Obviously, the, the most uh, exciting to date in my career. Um, but, you know, just the, the circumstances leading up to, to that at bat, you know, not being on the ALCS roster because of, uh, you know, having to play seven in a row that playoff and we needed extra pitching, rightfully so. But to having one at bat in the World Series and, it, uh, being able to just make something happen for the team at that moment, uh, it's, it's special. And I, I feel very blessed to have been put in that situation and had that opportunity and actually taking advantage of that opportunity. I know growing up, you know, being in the backyard with your friends, you always dream of that opportunity. Bases loaded, you know, obviously there's only Dion first and second, but when you're younger, dreaming of bases loaded, bottom of the ninth, you know, two outs, you're down by one run. You, every kid in across the world who's played baseball has been in that situation before as a kid, you know, just from being in the backyard and to be able to have that opportunity as a big leaguer is, man, just a blessing in itself. And, uh, you know, like I said, I wish we would have won the World Series. It would have made it that much more memorable. But I'm, I'm glad that I have something like that uh, to, to be thankful for. And you got the airplane going, and you got your 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 teammates chasing you around the field. I mean, that was awesome. Yeah, it was like a kid in the candy store, Chris. Just pure emotion, pure joy, and and that's what came out. It's not like that was predecided that I was gonna airplane around the outfield after I walked it off. You know, that's just that was a, that was a kid coming out on me. All right, when I was growing up, now I'm older than you. I'm 49. 
And the WWF, my favorite wrestler was Randy Macho Man Savage. <laughs> I love the Macho Man. Yeah, I loved. And I, I actually went to wrestling events as a kid. You live next to the Macho Man? Oh, yeah. Snap into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. He was, uh, you know, I, Chris, I didn't get to really appreciate him uh, until he passed away in a meeting. Like, I didn't grow up knowing who Randy Macho Man Savage was. I didn't know how much of a an icon he was in the wrestling world until he had passed away. And I start telling people, oh, that was my neighbor. Like we were friends. Like we played basketball together that we, you know, that, that, that was the, our, you know, our friendship. And then people are like, no way. Like it got blown up. Everyone like, you know, watched him and said that he was the man and all this. And I was like, holy cow. Like I had no clue, but what a great guy. Rest in peace to my man, Randy. Uh, his his wife still lives next door to us, and just they were just a sweet family. Do you know he was? Did you ever talk baseball with him? He was a minor league baseball player. Yeah, I, I think he was in the minor league system with St. Louis. Uh, you know, we never really got into wrestling or things about his past. It was more just uh, you know how a school kid like let's play some basketball, let's play some horse, and uh, just you know conversation like that and I think he enjoyed that just because I wasn't a fan you know I wasn't over there bothering him but more so just just more of a friend no that's 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 a great story let's end on this what's it going to mean to you guys to to repeat and and win the AL East ah you know I think it would it, it it would mean you know the everything that's what we strive to to that's why we play baseball to win to win the world series But starting with winning the East and, you know, we're coming out here each and every day and working our butts off just like every other guy across the league and every team. And, you know, that's that's our business and we're going to continue to do what we do. Hey, we always appreciate the time. Be safe and hopefully we'll see you soon and, and good luck to you guys the rest of the year. Hey, thank you for having me, Chris. Always a pleasure. Take care. And we'll end with Dan Schulman, legendary voice of Major League Baseball. All these years doing Sunday night baseball. You hear him all the time on ESPN, whether it's baseball or college basketball. And he's also one of the voices of the Toronto Blue Jays. Here's Dan Schulman. Well, it's uh, it's always an honor and a pleasure to have on one of the great voices of our game. Dan Schulman with us here on A's Cast Live. How are you, Dan? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks. How are you doing? Uh, we're, we're, we're doing good. And, and you know, it's always interesting uh, when talking to you about the, the, the baby Jays, as we like, to, we like to call them. They had a great weekend against Atlanta, and I'm really looking forward to this series. This is going to be a lot of fun. It really will be. I mean, Oakland's obviously, you know, a really good team again, had a 13-game winning streak. And uh, the Blue Jays are interesting. I mean, there are some baby Jays, but there are also some older Jays. And, you know, <laughs> after they made the playoffs last year, the, the expectations are very high this year. And, and this will be a really good test for both teams, I think. Yeah, and, and I, I just think about these guys are so kind of battle-hardened now because of having to play in Buffalo last year. Now you're playing in, in Florida. You don't really have a an exact home. It seems like, you know, for these guys, the majority of their games probably feel all like road games. Just talk about how that's toughened up this team. I, I think it has. You know, and last year I thought they handled it really, really well. And, you know, they, they could have gone two ways. They could have felt sorry for themselves. Or they could have said, you know what, let's let's deal with it and, and hope it's a bigger inconvenience for the visiting teams than it is for them. And, and I think that's what it turned out to be on 
some occasions. This year, at least at the beginning of the year, they had certainty they would be in Dunedin for a while. Um, they're going to go to Buffalo, and I suspect it'll be late May, early June. And then they're hoping to come to Toronto at some point. But, of course, we don't know. We have no idea. So um, it, it, it has been hard. You know, think about going two full years without playing a single game in your home ballpark. Um, you know, obviously there are much bigger issues and bigger concerns about the pandemic, but, you know, in our little corner of the professional sports world, it's, um, it has been challenging for them. And I, I give the, you know, the core players, the leadership players on the team, a lot of credit for how they've dealt with it. Yeah. I mean, people need to understand. I mean, these guys have wives, they have kids, they have lives, you know, now you got to find a place to live where normally you're just there for spring training. And then the other thing I think about if they go to Buffalo where's your triple-A team? Is they're, they're about to start up. So uh, I'll answer the second part first. So Buffalo will be playing in Trenton this year. Trenton, I think, was the double-A team. Trenton, New Jersey, I think, was the double-A team of the Yankees last year. Um, and when, you know, baseball, as you know, they eliminated a lot of minor league teams and some towns were left without an affiliation. Trenton was one of those. Um, and because I think it was a double-A park and geographically it's in the right part of the country, the Blue Jays have moved their triple-A team to Trenton. So they're still the Buffalo Bisons, but they'll be in New Jersey. They're there now, and they'll open up their season there tomorrow. Um, in terms of, um, you know, living in different places and so forth, there's a, a woman who works with the Blue Jays named Shannon Curley, and she is like the superhero of the organization. It's her job to help people get acclimated, get settled um, in a new city, in, in a new country, in normal times, you know, and, and I know she was a part like of the Marcus Simeon welcoming party and the Marcus Simeon pitch when they tried to and succeeded in signing Simeon. Shannon was on the Zoom call and, and was trying, you know, helping to explain to him some of the things about Toronto when she would be able to make him feel comfortable and, and that sort of thing. So I, I think the Blue Jays, and, and let me tell you this, Toronto is one of the most beautiful cities in North America. It's a great place to play baseball and, and earn a living. But I think people in Toronto understand sometimes there's a bit of an adjustment period for other people. Now you put the Buffalo and the Dunedin on top of it, and the Blue Jays are used to having to work extra hard to make people feel comfortable, and I think it's one of the strengths of the organization. I think a lot of people are going to see the highlights of what we've been able to see already here at the ballpark to where you're just about every A's player, A's coach came over and hugged Marcus Simeon. He meant so much to this organization, a Bay Area native, a Cal grad. Uh, you know, his, his, his wife also went to Cal. You know, we had Mark Canna on earlier. They grew up basically together going to Cal and, and basically, you know, all their time in the big leagues uh, were together here in Oakland. Just what do you think this homecoming is going to be like for Marcus Simeon? Well, I just got off a Zoom call that he was on about uh, half an hour ago. And, and as you know, Marcus is not like an outwardly emotional guy. Um, but I think it's going to mean a lot to him. He'd already had a chance to reconnect a little bit with, you know, some of the security in clubhouse and parking people as he made his way uh, into the ballpark area. And I guess I, I, I hadn't put two and two together, but I guess he had a chance to visit with some of his uh, former teammates um, in Tampa Bay over the last week or so because the Blue Jays were there and they crossed paths with the A's and now he'll do it again now. Um, just got off a of Zoom with Bob Melvin as well, who said, you know, he's kind of used to this, you know, players leaving and showing up in another uniform. But this one, you know, hurts a little bit more than most, not only because of the player 
that Marcus Simeon became in Oakland, but also because of the person that he is. And, you know, you mentioned Bay Area native and all that, but, uh, you know, Bob spoke about his leadership qualities, you know, what an incredible person he was, the imprint that he has on the community. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a little emotional for everybody, but as soon as the ump plays ball, uh, you know, now he's going to be trying to beat them. Blue Jays are, uh, you know, every game's important, even though it's early. And uh, Marcus Simeon's a very important part of the team right now. So, you know, the funny part was he said the weirdest thing was sitting down and watching video of Frankie Montas trying to scout how to hit him when he's been playing behind him for the last three, four years. So, you know, it's the little things we don't think about that stick out in the players' minds. Yeah, he, I mean, he was such a big part of the Oakland A's. Dan, his father would call my talk show. I mean, I mean, we got to know his <laughs> wife, great. his kids. It's like, but it, it's great that uh, he's having success. The thing that scares me about this series is, you know, just sweeping the Braves, outscoring them 26 to 12. I'm looking at Bo Bichette's red hot. Uh, Vladdy Jr. is hitting 545 over his last five games. I mean, you got some guys who are really swinging the bat well. Yeah, some, not all. And, and this team is expected to score a lot of runs if everybody gets healthy, and they haven't quite gotten there. I think they've only had one game all year with their best nine in the starting lineup, and they won't add to it in this series. But uh, Vladdy's a different guy than he's been the last couple of years, much more selective, has a really good game plan, using the whole field, getting the ball in the air more. Bo Bichette, um, incredibly streaky. Uh, I shouldn't say incredibly streaky, streaky, incredibly talented um, and hits rockets, just hits rockets. Uh, very aggressive hitter. Um, Kevin Biggio scuffling a little bit right now. So we'll see uh, how he does. Uh, George Springer won't play tonight. He's only played a handful of games, just came back from a quad injury. Say Oscar Hernandez is just back from COVID. He was a silver slugger award winner last year. And then down below that, you've got, you know, Simeon, Randall Gritchick, there, there's a lot of length in this lineup. And if they stay healthy, the expectation is, is that, you know, they'll be one of the top two or three offenses in the American League. Yeah, and the East has been interesting with the Yankees being down. I, I know they got to 500. Uh, we didn't think the Red Sox were going to be this good. The, the, the East has been uh, – it's been fascinating to watch from afar. It, yeah, and it will be. I, I think it's got a chance to be a four-team race. No disrespect to the Orioles, who are getting better, but they're not there yet. Uh, like you said, Yankees started poorly. Now they're back at 500. They're going to be fine. I don't know if they're going to be great, but they're going to be good. Red Sox started great, and I think they'll fall back a little bit, but I don't think they're a pushover. I think they have uh, every capability of being a 500 team. Uh, the Blue Jays should be a good team, maybe not a great team. They're not like a fully formed, mature, contending team yet. They're still growing. And the Rays are the Rays. And, you know, I know they lost Snell and Morton, and those are great guys. But their farm system is great. And if you told me, like, come September, you'd have four teams within five, six games of each other, maybe even less than that, I, I would buy it. I, I think it's got a chance to be that interesting a division. The only problem is, is if they all beat up on each other, get hard if you're not the division champ. But, you know, that's a, that's a problem for a few months down the road. And it, it, usually it's one of the most difficult divisions in baseball, and I think that's the case again this year. Yeah, and you think about all the national guys that we bring on this program before the start of the season. They were all about the Astros. They love the Angels. And nobody, once again, was giving the A's a chance. And then here they say, it's like every year, Dan, they go, you know what? Here the A's are again, and we didn't think that they were going to be yeah. that good. 
If you go back to opening night and listen to uh, ESPN radio's broadcast of the game, you will find that a certain national guy sung a different tune and has a lot of respect for the A's. Uh, and I, I always have. I mean, they, they keep, you know, uh, they keep producing players. They do it on a shoestring budget. They just find a way to get the, you know, the most out of their guys. Uh, they're, they're the, you know, the bullpen last year was, uh, was so good for most of the season. They've got some good young arms in the starting rotation. I know they're not all you know, healthy right now and quite where they would like to be. You know, you got the defense on the corners and, and in center field. There are a lot of things to really like uh, about this Oakland team. And, and you're right. You know, teams like Oakland and Tampa Bay, they just do not get the respect they deserve. And that's a shame because, They've done enough to earn that respect. Um, you know, you go to the playoffs six times in nine years, you deserve that respect. And, you know, that's the kind of franchise the A's have been. That's why you're one of the legendary voices in our game. You get it. <laughs> well, I don't get much, but I, I get I, every now and again I get a little bit here and there. So uh, I, I appreciate it. But, I, you know, I, I like, I've got a little bit of underdog bias in me. I like the teams that don't get enough attention to get a little bit more attention. And, you know, and it's funny, in the U.S., the Blue Jays are one of those teams, I think. And, and um, you know, sometimes they're kind of out of sight, out of mind, and everybody focuses on the Yankees and the Red Sox. And, um, you know, right now I think they're starting to get some attention because of Guerrero, Bichette, and Biggio, because of the last, you know, the last names and the, the baby Jays, like you said, and the talent they have. But, you know, I think Toronto teams are used to – feeling a little bit of that in the United States as well. So maybe I come by it honestly. Well, it's always an honor to have you on the program. We truly appreciate it. Have a great call tonight and enjoy this series. And let's talk soon. All right. I appreciate that. Some late nights calling it back east here in Toronto. Got to get a, got to get some coffee going before the, the <laughs> 940 first pitch. Take care, Dan. Yeah. All right. See you. We want to thank the Hall of Famer Peter Gammons, Rays outfielder Brett Phillips, and Dan Schulman from ESPN and the Toronto Blue Jays. Thank you for listening to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Now back to A's cast powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.